People ask me all the time what I miss. What do I miss being a practicing vegan now for six years? Is there anything, they wonder, that I miss? And for years, I've honestly replied, no, no, there's really nothing I miss. I mean, I've said here before that in the beginning, I I missed eggs. But I haven't missed eggs in a long time. But, you know, we were just in France last month for 10 days, traveling in France. We visited Toulouse, Carcassonne, Bordeaux, each of those places for the first time, and then back to Paris. And you know what? I realized that there was something. There is something I kind of miss. And I had to go all the way to France to notice. Hello, veg heads and veg your besties. Welcome back. Welcome back to Veg Your Best, the plant-based podcast. My name is Michelle Olander. I'm a certified life coach, a practicing vegan, and I'm here every week encouraging you to eat more plants and challenge yourself to set an impossible goal, one that really gets you excited about your life. And here we are at episode 61. I'm back. I'm back. The gift of travel, they say, is not seeing new lands, but returning home to see your own land with new eyes. And that's been happening to me since we came home. You know, I told you last week that I would talk a little about our trip to France last month. And if you follow me, If you follow Veg Your Best on Instagram, you may have seen me post a little bit about it because traveling in France with my husband after many, many months of being home, being in a routine, shopping at the same stores, cooking the same things, getting takeout, or more recently going to dinner at the same four or five places that we've frequented for years, where the waitstaff and the cooks all know what I eat, and don't eat, and how I order it. Well, after many, many months where most weeks were looking pretty much the same as the week before it, traveling to France, traveling in France, going to new cities in a language I'm not fluent in, traveling on unfamiliar trains with new COVID regulations in place, it was a pretty big change of pace. And to be honest, I nearly talked myself out of going and canceling the whole thing, I mean, probably a dozen times or so. I don't think I'm alone. I know a lot of people who have never been all that anxious about travel have found it daunting after many months. What I'm trying to say is that by living in a much more circumscribed way, close to home, I was completely in my vegan comfort zone for months, which I did not fully appreciate until traveling in France last month. You know, I saw this written on a card in the front of a gift store in Bordeaux. Voyager rend modeste. 
on voit mieux la place minuscule que l'on occupe dans le monde. Travel makes one modest. You see what a tiny place you occupy in the world. It's a quote from Gustave Flaubert, apparently, but I could not find the citation. So if you know the source of the quote, I'd welcome, I'd welcome that information. Travel makes one modest. You see what a tiny place you occupy in the world. And this resonated with me because, you know, now in my day-to-day life at home, I am kind of a professional vegan, something my younger or even my middle-aged self never saw coming. But out in the world, for example, in southwest France, I was faced with all the old, well, the old thoughts about navigating the world as a vegan. Thoughts that I seldom even deal with at home anymore. Things like, well, what if there aren't any options? What if I have to send something back? What if they don't understand me? What if they're annoyed or worse? What if I have to explain over and over again and they don't get it? What if my husband's having an awful time and he's sick of this? Or what if my husband wants to try four more places? I'd rather just sit down and have a glass of wine and a salad than look anywhere else. And you know, at home, in the event that I run into a problem, and it does occasionally happen, I know the geography. I know the other options. I know what time things close, what's nearby, what's not worth trying, what's in the fridge at home. When you're traveling in a strange city, not the same. Even if you don't have very specific requests or needs, you feel feel a little less powerful, I think. You feel a little more dependent on the proverbial kindness of strangers. What do you think? Was that just me? Well, Anyway, one of the things that happened over and over was that I would introduce myself before sitting down at a restaurant or lunch place and say, listen, I'm vegan. And before they sat me, could they let me know if there was something on the menu that they might recommend? And typically, I got one of two reactions. Either no problem, whether there was going to be a problem or not, That did not actually mean that there was going to be anything on the menu that would work, but that was one of the reactions. No problem. Or often this kind of confused look of complete incomprehension, like, of course not. What would you even eat? You're in the land of duck fat, foie gras, and cheese. This also did not always indicate that it was going to be impossible to get a vegan meal there. And honestly, this happens in the U.S. as well. It has happened to me, well, at all kinds of places. But when you are traveling and jet-lagged and not feeling very confident in your ability to communicate nuances in French, well, it all comes down to a level of asking for what you want and how you feel about it. We've talked about that here on the podcast before. It's one of the main things I help my clients with. And listen, it's not just an issue in terms of limiting or eliminating the consumption of animal products. Asking for what you want 
asking for what you want, a lot of us have been socialized to be very uncomfortable about asking for what we want. And that is not universal, perhaps. Maybe it's more in my culture, my demographic, my age range. I don't really think so, but maybe. And I'm not saying that it's been done to us by an intentional, malevolent culture. But I would say it's more an issue of expedience, right? It's, a, it's crowd control. If we know all the rules, we can all get along. We can get moving and not complicate every single human interchange throughout the day. When we agree on these unspoken rules and contracts, listen, if I didn't have any rules about meals when I was raising my children, rules about when and where and what, my thought is it would have been a continuous negotiation with people of all ages and preferences and responsibility or capability levels. And my guess is most of us would not really want that level of, okay, I'll use the word anarchy in the home. So most of us who raise kids in my culture have a sort of a sort of schedule and a sort of a list of approved foods and a list of more disapproved foods and a rough outline, even if not listed or written, a rough outline of where those foods are prepared or stored or consumed. And we sometimes don't even realize that these are rules because they just seem 100% normal or obvious or reasonable. You know, I grew up with parents who had very strong ideas about gratitude for sufficient food. And the cultural understanding was that you ate what you were given and you were grateful for it and you didn't waste it, period. And they had very understandable reasons for those thoughts based on medical advice of the time as well as having been food insecure as children. Did anyone else out there ever get the response to not liking something at dinner? The response I used to get, I'm not asking you to like it, Michelle. I'm telling you to eat it. What's coming up for you guys? What were some of the family or cultural patterns that maybe you experienced that until you joined this wider world, you thought were just pretty much the way it is? Because like travel, leaving home, Growing up and setting up your own lives usually involves trying on some different lifestyles or living with people, roommates or partners who look at you like you're from Mars when they find out how your family ate, that you ate salad after the main course, or that you never ate together at a table, or that you always ate at home, never in restaurants or that you kept kosher and kept separate dishes for meat and dairy, or maybe you put ketchup on everything. Any number of thousands of patterns around food and eating that seem 100% normal and even correct while you're in the middle of it. So 
travel for me, regular travel, is one of the things I have prioritized in my life for many years because of what I mentioned at the beginning, that the benefit of travel is not just seeing new lands, but returning home to see your own land with new eyes. And on our vacation, I noticed for the first time in quite a while that asking for what I wanted, asking for vegan meals in unfamiliar restaurants and hotels in unfamiliar cities, I noticed it was tiring. It was fatiguing for me. And I noticed that there is one thing I miss sometimes now that I'm vegan. It's not any food. It's the complete comfort level of being an omnivore in foreign or foreign to me places. Because I was once really, really, really an omnivore. There was not much that I would refuse to eat, partially because I ate most anything. And and it was the way I was raised. If someone made it for you, you just ate it. It kind of didn't matter whether you liked it. And in an earlier iteration, when I traveled, I just sat down anywhere I was. And if I didn't know what to order, I would just either point at something or ask the server to bring me their best dish or whatever they suggested. Because my thought then was, I am a guest in this country. I am a traveler in this region. I should eat what they give me. And that seemed really very easy. It seems in retrospect, a very easy way to live. And, and it's not how I travel anymore. And listen, I'm not demanding anyone cook my way or make me something they don't want to make me. When I go into an unfamiliar restaurant, whether it is in the US or France or anywhere else, I am hoping to just simply communicate what it is I'm looking for what it is that I want, and they, of course, have the right to look at me and shake their head and look bewildered or annoyed and say, no eggs, no cream, no duck. What about fish? No? Hmm. And a part of me, because of the way I was raised, gets uncomfortable. Because a part of me, a part of me that was very practiced for many years, thinks I should just sit down and eat what they bring me. (laughs) And I have to coach myself. I have to remember that that's not what I do. I don't eat eggs or fish or meat or dairy. I don't eat animals or their parts. And that's not disrespect. It's not disrespect of anyone or anyone's culture, that is respect for me and my beliefs as I understand them now. And it has helped me feel a little more viscerally what I know intellectually about my clients who are having a hard time with this. Clients who are having a hard time limiting or eliminating the consumption of animal products. You know, we are all walking around with thoughts that are very, very practiced. And when thoughts get practiced, they almost become invisible. And one of them is the way, the right way to eat. 
Most of us have gone through periods of our lives where those thoughts were very practiced. What's the right way to fuel yourself? What's the right way to behave in other homes around food? What's the right way to eat when traveling? Or to eat as a sophisticated or well-traveled person? We'll talk maybe next week or the week after about the way animal flesh and parts have been coded in our culture as luxury as sophisticated, as objects of beauty for culturally sensitive, educated people to appreciate or to aspire to. So my point is that if you're finding it hard, or as in my case, not so much hard as fatiguing to ask for what you want, this is really an interesting opportunity to evaluate, to evaluate what's going on. And maybe you don't find it hard to ask for vegan options at all. Or maybe that's not where you are right now. Maybe you find it hard to ask for your money back when you've bought something that doesn't work the way you expected or to ask for a raise. Maybe you find it fatiguing to deal with groups of people or you find it difficult to ask men to listen to your ideas at work if you're a woman or if you're a man asking for time off or family leave to spend with your new child or an ill partner. Or maybe you find it hard to ask your employees to up-level their attention or their productivity. All of us, dare I say all of us, all of us struggle in some area to ask for what we want. And the reason is always our thoughts. Did I surprise you or have you heard this here before? The reason is always our thoughts, but only 100% of the time. Listen, there's a thought that you might be misunderstood and there's a thought you might make someone mad or look unattractive or seem greedy or appear uneducated or culturally insensitive. Maybe, maybe there are others. What is it you want? What is it you really, really want? It's always such an important, beautiful thing to explore. And that's another thing for another podcast. But in my case, traveling in the French Southwest, famous for duck and foie gras, I wanted, and as far as I know, I succeeded in eating vegan. But why did I find it fatiguing? Because in addition to asking for what I want, my want of eating vegan, I also had some thoughts. I had thoughts that I didn't want to seem, well, culturally dismissive or insensitive. I didn't want to be rude or misunderstood. I had a thought that I didn't want to come across as a needy, pushy American. (laughs) I didn't want people to have, ultimately, I didn't want people to have thoughts about me. Isn't that great? I was very busy in their thoughts, in a place I cannot control at all. People, people probably sometimes think all kinds of things about me. And you know, I have the emails and the DMs on Instagram to prove it. And none of those people are from France, as far as I know. People are allowed to think They're allowed to think anything they want about me. And sometimes they will be right. Sometimes they'll have a very good point. Sometimes 
they will be kind of right. And sometimes they might be really completely wrong. But when I'm busy in their thoughts, I get tired. (laughs) When I'm busy wondering if they think I'm asking clearly for the options on the menu, if they think my French is laughable, if they think I'm an idiot American tourist who should just stay home where I can have things the same way instead of traveling. See, I guess you can see when I'm thinking about what they're thinking, (laughs) it's tiring. It's tiring. And it takes away from me looking to show up in a respectful, kind, polite, thoughtful, intelligent way and asking for what I want. So this was a very good experience. It was illuminating. I'm a traveler asking for what I want at a restaurant and the owner or the server can say, sure, no problem. Or they can say, nope, we don't have that here. That is very drama-free. That's not tiring at all. And here, before I wrap this part up, I have one more thing to say. And listen, I posted about this on Instagram. You should follow Veg Your Best on Instagram. And I think this is kind of an important point. I was, on this trip, always in pretty touristic cities in France. And I was not in rural or very small towns. I was in places which have universities and large numbers of foreign tourists, at least pre-pandemic days, full of foreign workers and students and the lack of comprehension about veganism, with which I was greeted in quite a few places in Carcassonne, Toulouse, and Bordeaux restaurants made me wonder, made me ask myself if, as vegans, we aren't fully identifying ourselves, and our preferences. It made me wonder. It made me wonder if it's possible that some of us go in and try to stealth, stealthily, stealthily, what's the word? Stealthily order fries and a salad and that we don't even ask for the other options that might be possible to avoid the awkwardness of asking. And I'm not judging that. I totally get it. I think you understand. I get it. Or are some of us not even bothering to go in certain places and ask? And I get that too. But you know, I was at one place in Bordeaux where there's, there was nothing on the menu that was on display in the window that seemed vegan. But when the manager popped out to greet us at the door and I asked, he handed me a completely vegan menu. Honestly, if I had not asked, I would have definitely not gone in and gotten a meal there. So as vegans, as vegans, guys, I am suggesting, and even if you're not fully there yet, I'm suggesting that we identify ourselves a little bit more and to ask for what we want. Let them know, not just in France, everywhere, let them know that the vegans are not only coming, We're here, and we're completely comfortable asking for what we want. And you know, we're not asking for a favor. We're clients. We're travelers. We're consumers. We're here to learn. We're here to enjoy the richness of other cultures and histories. And 
and we don't eat animals. Listen, Paris is a completely different place to travel now as a vegan. It's an amazing situation for me. And that Flaubert quotation, travel makes you modest. You see what a tiny place you take up in the world. If you're a fully practicing vegan, maybe it's time to take your veganism on the road where you are still kind of an outlier, where you're still only taking up a tiny place. And maybe for you, that's not Europe yet. Maybe it's not Asia or South America, but maybe Kansas City or Fort Wayne, Indiana, or rural Alabama or Alaska or in the town down the highway near you where you are pretty damn sure there are no places to eat vegan. Listen, there's so much to learn and discover out there. And we curtail our lives understandably, we stay in our comfort zones understandably, but I suggest we get out there and see new things and then come back to see our homes with new eyes. And in the meantime, we're also spreading the message that we are clients looking for places to spend our money and bring our plant-fueled friends and family. And lastly... If you have traveled and found yourself unable or partially unable to eat the way you wanted to, I want to encourage you not to judge yourself, not to be harsh with yourself, which honestly, it's never helpful. Why do we think it is? Why do we think it's helpful to beat ourselves up when we don't succeed at our intentions? I know, I I used to do it all the time, but instead of judging, I encourage everyone to evaluate, evaluate what happened, what happened that resulted in you eating things you didn't want to eat, because that's where we can learn a lot. You know, in coach training, we're encouraged to make a list of how things go each week, what went well, what didn't go well, and what would I do differently? Now that's helpful. That's feedback. That's information that can be used. What went well? What didn't go well? And what would I or could I do differently? Okay, veg heads, veg your besties. That's enough for today. Stop it. No more. Wait, one more thing. <laughs> one more thing. It's November. November is World Vegan Month. World Vegan Month, again? Is it November again? Okay, if there's someone you know who's struggling with limiting or eliminating the consumption of animal products, I want to help. And if it's you, I want to help you. The end of the year is honestly, honestly, it's the most valuable time of the year, in my opinion, to start a vegan challenge. Do you want to take on a vegan challenge? Five days? Seven days? A 30-day vegan challenge? How about 60 non-consecutive days? I have a lot of ideas for you. So make an appointment. Email me. DM me. The links are all in the show notes. Vegheads, in the meantime, travel with your vegan message, your vegan 
questions, near or far. Let them know we're here. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.